Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast. We hope that this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thanks for joining us and enjoy. Today, I really feel like that I need to share a message with you about salt and light. Salt and light. You know, a lot of times in our lives as as believers, we find ourselves in, in different circumstances. You know, there's been times that as a minister, I've been behind my desk in my office, you know, behind my desk in the church office doing ministry work, we would say. There's been times though, let's say I've been at Mellow Mushroom. You show this next picture. I've been at Mellow Mushroom. And while at Mellow Mushroom, I've been sitting with a known sinner. And sometimes I'm sitting there with that known sinner and and for some reason I'm feeling a little self-conscious But then in the church office, I'm sitting in the church office and maybe I'm dealing with a complaint. Let me ask you this question. Where would Jesus be most comfortable? Where would Jesus be more comfortable? Luke chapter five, verse 31 says this. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. We keep coming back to this passage. Past, uh, Andrew spoke about it a few Wednesday nights ago. Pastor Scotty's preached on it. And I'm going to allude to it again today. I feel like there's something in the house about this. There's a, there's a spirit in the house about reaching beyond ourselves and reaching those that are dying, reaching those that are spiritually dying. In Luke chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. Now, typically we focus on Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And we think about the tree and the wee little man, Zacchaeus. But understand the wee little man was a wealthy little man. He was the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest little men in that area because he was the chief tax collector. The chief. The Roman Empire told him to collect the taxes. This is the amount you collect. But if you want to add on to it, anything you add on to it and collect, guess what? That's yours, buddy. And did they tack on a lot? Yes, they tacked on a lot and it made them very wealthy. And the people what? Hated them. He was a Jewish man. And the other Jews hated him because he stole from them. He was a sinner and a very well-known sinner, a sinner that had taken from your pocketbook. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, wee little man, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Again, where would Jesus be more comfortable? In the Christian's house or in the sinner's house? So he came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly, welcomed welcomed him to his luscious home and to a dinner. Verse 7, all the people, all the godly people, all the following Jesus people, all the Christian people, saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to the guest of a sinner. 
But Zacchaeus stood up at the dinner with all his sinner friends and said, Lord, Lord, here and now I give half of all my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Turn to Luke chapter 5. Really fast, I just want to show you this one. Luke chapter 5. We, we, see, we see a commonality here. We see a, a, a theme of Jesus. Luke chapter 5 verse 27. Luke chapter 5 verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector, another tax collector, by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. And again, a wealthy tax collector. And what did he do? He gave a banquet. Verse 29, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors, sinners, and others were eating with them. But again, the religious Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to the sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Church, There are sick people out there and they need you. He said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Matthew five thirteen, it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You know, when I first read this when I was younger, I was being a young Christian, I was like, that's a really weird scripture. Because to me, salt was just, you know, something you stuck on the table and you just put on your food. What's, why is he talking about salt? Well, first of all, salt was something of great value during Jesus' time. It was something of great value. When Jesus spoke of the believer, when he spoke of you as salt, he was saying the believer is of great value. You have great value inside of you. You have great value coming out of your mouth. Your actions are of great value. Salt, during a period of time, the Middle Ages, they would trade salt pound for pound for gold. They would trade salt pound for pound for gold. In today's economy, that means one pound of salt would be $17,600. When he spoke of salt, he spoke of something of great, tremendous value. The box I'm going to show you in just a minute is worth about $56,000 of salt. But how does salt lose its saltiness? Well, in itself, chemically, it can't. But it can be diluted. Has your salt ever been diluted? It can be diluted. And also it can never have an effect in others' lives if it's never used. Or if it's used very little. So what does salt do? What does your salt do? What does physical salt do? What was Jesus trying to tell us? First of all, salt preserves. Salt preserves. That's eternal life. You have salt in you that you can give to others. And that salt, that preservation brings eternal life into their lives. Salt flavors. 
It gives flavor. You can influence the lives of others. You are an influence in the lives of others. Even as Teddy spoke to us this morning, said they may not read the scriptures, but they read you. You are an influencer. And also salt creates thirst. It draws out. Are, are there sinners in your life? Sinners that they, they look to you. That they're, they're drawing something out of you. You are helping them to grow and to go to another level in Christ. I want you to, I'm going to jump ship up here. So if you'll look up here. All right. Got a little example here for you guys. Now, if you'll notice... This is raw meat. How many of you have ever been a sinner? How many of you were a sinner at some type in your life? How many of you were raw meat at some point in time in your life? Raw. Does it have potential? But right now it's raw. Does anybody want to come up here and take a big bite out of this raw piece of pork? But does it have potential to be something else? Are there people out there that are like raw meat, but they've got potential to be something else? They don't even know their potential, but you've got the tools to help them become their potential. Woo, that's some preaching right there, let me tell you. So when we're talking about salt, you are salt. Which salt are you? Are you the salt shaker? Are you the salt shaker? And when there is that raw meat that comes into your life, is this what you do? God bless them. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Pray for them. Oh, Lord, just pray for them, Lord. Oh, just pray for them. That's really cool. I like that. Is this you? Lord, there's some raw meat there, but I got to put on some gloves before I touch that. Lord, I can't be touching that stuff. I got some gloves and I'm going to keep the gloves on. Are you one you're going to take the gloves off? Well, I don't need no gloves, glory. Or are you this salt right here? Now, this is a kosher salt. I have no idea what that means here in the analogy, but anyway. (laughs) Are you the kosher salt? Are Are you this your salt? Do you just get it all up in there? You get it in your hand? And when you get that, baby, you got that salt and you got that raw meat, you got that center, buddy, you're going to get all in there. You're going to rub it in there. You're going to rub it in every crevice. You're going to rub it in every crack. You're going to be in their life and no matter where they are, you're going to get all in there. You don't care if you're nasty because you're going to get all in there because God's given you the power to do it. Can I get an amen in the house on that? Lord have mercy. And when you do it, you will get dirty, let me tell you. But you know what? There's something about getting dirty. We've got to be as believers, God's called us to get dirty and to get into people's lives and to make a difference in people's lives. Yeah, it takes time to clean up, but that's okay. Jesus didn't care. He went...
Jesus didn't mind getting dirty. And I'm challenging you today to be salt and don't mind getting dirty, to get up in there. And I, you know, this is something God's speaking to me. I am not up here talking to you at a pedestal. I'm down on the floor for a purpose. Okay. And that's because I'm just like you. I've got to do better at being salt. And one of the things that the Lord's been speaking to me about that is just the Holy Spirit can lead you to be salt. And that's why we've got to be filled up. We've got to be fired up. We've got to be that box of salt, not that little salt shaker. We're not doing a little sprinkle from a distance, but we're just putting it in our hand and getting all up in there because we really know that there are people who need what we have and we want them to be with us in heaven. We want them to walk in kingdom prosperity. We want them to walk in blessing. We want them to understand that this is the only true life, the only life that brings happiness and peace and joy. You are also a light. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know, we got one of these little guys, this, when Jesus was talking about a lamp, this is what he was talking about. Oftentimes it's hard for us to understand what Jesus says because, you know, we didn't live in the first century. But when he talked about a lamp, this was the lamp. We actually, um, this is one of them that we got in Israel. It's a little oil lamp. Now what they would do, they would light this. Now did they have matches and things like we did? Was lighting sometimes an aggravating type of thing? Okay. So what they would do, they would take this, they would light it. And let's say they were leaving for a short period of time. They had to go down to their buddy's house down the road and, you know, pick up a lamb or something. I don't know. Uh, but they had to go down, down the street. Okay. Well, they don't want it to keep burning so, so large. So they would have a bowl and it had a hole in the top of it. And they would put the bowl on top of this so that it would burn a lot slower. And also so that it would keep burning. So they would have to try and relight it. Okay. So, but they're saying, but if you want to have light, are you going to keep it under the bowl? If you want light, are you going to keep it under the bowl? You're going to take the bowl off and you're going to put it in a high place. So God is calling us to be light, to put it in a high place so that others can see it. Turn to Acts chapter 16 for me, please. Repeat after me. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. My life will make a difference. I am making a difference. Amen. Acts chapter 16, verse 22. And this is about Paul and Silas in prison. Many of you have heard this many times. You've read it many times. And it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 22. And it says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Keep in mind, they were stripped, almost buck naked. They were beaten. 
They were severely flogged in that period of time. The flogging would have been, again, with the whip that would have had glass or stone in it. Probably not as, as, as intense as Jesus, but they had a number of stripes they were beaten with. So flesh would have been pulled off of their back. There would be open wounds in their back. I mean, I just cut the tip of my thumb off the other day at school. I'm not claiming anything, Mr. Skelton. That's all good. But uh, you know those little things where you cut paper? There was one with a guard, and then there was one without a guard. Guess which one I picked? The one without the guard, and I guess I'm not real good at it, and I just did a little chop-chop at the top of my finger. Anyway, so I know how bad that hurt. Imagine that multiplied times 50 on your back. Okay? That's the reason I shared that. They were in the dungeon. They were fastened in the stocks. Their legs were spread to induce cramping. So they're cramping. They've got open wounds. They're sore. They're hurting. They're in pain. Now, you are often challenged to be a light when you feel the least up to it. You are often challenged to be a light when you feel least up to it. And that's when you just got to say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You just got to build yourself up. Because those are the moments of ministry. Those are the moments of destiny. And oftentimes the reason you are in such a difficult place at that moment that you can be a light is because the enemy knows that you're in that phenomenal place. And that's when he's going to attack you. And that's when you're going to have to stay strong and fight back. So they had a big choice right here. Remember what I said earlier? They could murmur and complain. Or they could let their light shine. They were right here. So we go to verse 25 and we know what they did. In the midst of their pain, in the midst of their difficult situation, in the midst of a time when a lot of people would just murmur and complain and say, I am, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I've been anointed by Jesus himself. I saw Jesus on the Damascus road. I am somebody special. Why am I here in this dungeon? Do we hear that from him? Instead, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. You know, it's at this point where you have to make a decision. Will I pray? Will I sing hymns? Will I be strong? Or will I let the enemy take control of my life? I remember one time I was uh, working at a golf course during the summers. There was a few summers I would work at a golf course. I have a little extra income. And I did this for a few summers, two or three summers. And um, they would employ their people, sometimes through temp agencies, but I don't have a problem with that, no problem at all. Uh, and I had a couple of guys that I worked with that were uh, um, a little different. I don't know how to explain that. Um, uh, they they had, had had some incarceration in their past, I guess is one way to say it. And I was always really nice, and, and I really was. I was nice. I was cordial. You know, I cut my grass like eight hours nonstop. I, when I set a break for 10, 15 minutes, I do it. I didn't bother anybody. I just did, did my job. And I remember one day I was on this big lawnmower cutting the, the fairway and, you know, and just, just trying to be positive. You know, I guess singing a worship song in my head, even though I, I hated getting up at five o'clock in the morning, but I did what I had to do. You know, it might have been there. You got to do what you got to do sometimes in your life. And, you know, and you're thinking, what am I doing here? But hey, Lord, you're in control. So, and this, this one of these gentlemen, he gets off his lawnmower and starts coming up to me. Now he was bigger than me. And he comes up to me and he starts saying some not so nice words to me. 
uh, which I've had that before. That's not a big deal. But then he threatens to hurt me in all kinds of ways. And, 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 and I'm thinking, what did I do? And I, hadn't, I really had not done anything. He just decided that this day he was going to go after me. And I believe that was a demonic attack. I, I really do. I mean, because I, I almost had to say, look, either you get away because you're threatening to hurt me or I'm going to run you over this lawnmower. I don't know. I to, you know, and I mean, I was, I was nice, but I was pretty, pretty sincere about that. And, 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 and then, so I went home that evening and I was like, Lord, how do I, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this attack? And he said, there's a scripture, Robbie, that says, pray for those who persecute you. And it was awkward coming back the next day. He's like, you, you see that person on the corner of your eye, you know, you're going, oh God, what's going to happen? But I, I just went to my little spot and I prayed, I prayed for him. I've called his name and it gave me a peace. I had a peace. And as you said earlier, may never read his Bible, but the Bible showed through me and I was considerate and kind. He never bothered me again. And he was considered and kind to me. I sowed, Coach Skoda, kindness. I sowed love, even though a part of me wanted to sow that lawnmower on him. <laughs> I sowed love and I sowed kindness. Many of you have sung this little song when you were little. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Do you know that there are some phenomenal scriptural teachings through little songs? Think about that. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. How many of us have hid our light under a bushel? How many of have hidden our light under a little bowl? How many times have you walked in Walmart and said, I'm not a Christian today, I'm just shopping at Walmart? <laughs> Lord, may I not see anybody from church, then I got to smile and be all Jesus. <laughs> hey, hey, I said I'm on the floor with you, okay? You know? I'm having my hat down. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Don't, and I love this, this verse, it says, don't let, everybody say Let. Don't let Satan blow it out. How many times have we let Satan blow it out? We have authority over the enemy, amen? Resist the devil and he will flee. Don't let Satan blow it out. So we go to verse 26. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake. So again, they are showing their light. They don't expect any miracles. They don't expect any supernatural. They're just showing their light. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. You know, sometimes the miraculous and supernatural will follow our salt and our light. Are you showing salt? Are you showing your light? You might say, but I'm not a Paul. I'm not a Silas. I don't know enough. To make a difference in this world, you don't have to be the best. You just have to care the most. 
You just have to care the most. And I'll add this here. You have to, and, and also keep in mind, you have the same Holy Spirit that was in Paul and it was in Silas. Lives inside of you. Your salt and your light, it changes lives. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Who asked who about salvation? Who asked who about salvation? When you show salt and light, the sinner will ask you about salvation. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household. You know, there are people, I thought back in my life, were were there people in my life that, you know, that got all up in there? I, I remember there was a period of time that, that I was about to walk away from the Lord and, and I remember I went and I was this raw piece of meat and I went for a summer and I spent the, the summer with a pastor in North Carolina and his name was Terry. And I remember Terry, he'd always get up in my face. He'd always say, I'll take you out for lunch. Take me out for lunch. He said, you're, you're going to stay at my dad's house. I'm going to pick you up at five o'clock. We're going surfing. He got up in there. He took me surfing, taught me how to surf. I'm scared of sharks, by the way. But I haven't even shown my kids how to, how to surf because I'm, I'm, I'm so scared of sharks. I stopped, sorry. I know you don't care, but I, I, a, shark, a shark bumped me one time, and I was, I was surfing a longboard. A shark bumped me, and I've never gotten on the board again. You know, I tell people, you know, you think about it. When you get in the ocean... It's like, it's like you just having nothing but your boxers on and you're walking in the Amazon jungle. Okay. It's the exact same thing. But anyway, <laughs> and you, hey, kid, yeah, yeah, get, you know, kitties go, y'all go play in the water. I mean, I'm sorry. My, my kids play in the water too. I, I don't know. I'm like nervous. I'm like going, Oh Lord. Okay. Anyway, so getting back to Terry. He would take me to eat. He would spend time with me. He would get into my life. He would, he would say things into my life. He spent time with me. He got in there. He was salt in my life. I remember Wayne, another guy I thought about. There were people in my life that were salt for me because I was raw. I was a raw piece of meat. I, but they saw potential. Now, my parents were always there because they always see potential. But a lot of times we need more than just our own parents. We need other believers, people that believe in us, that will, that will sow into our lives, that will get up in there in our lives. I remember coming into this house, and I was definitely raw meat when I came into this house, and so was my wife. But there were, there were people that sowed into my life. It was harder for me to get, I got close eventually to Pastor Scotty and Brother Dick, but it took time. But there were regular believers, just like you, just believers in the house, that spent time with me individually, that got to know me. And they got up in there and it helped to mold and change my life. And I know there's people that have done that for you and that's why you're in this house. And I'm challenging you today to be that same for others. To be led by the Holy Spirit and allow him to lead you to those others who need what you have. This is a great, safe and wonderful place. 
And that's why you're here, but there's others who need this safe and wonderful place too. Then they spoke the word of the Lord, verse 32. This is the last verse. I wasn't long, but I hope it was strong. (laughs) That was such a cliche, but anyway. (laughs) Acts chapter 16, verse 32. When they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his whole family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole family. When you take the time to be salt in life into one individual, you don't know how your salt in life and that one individual can impact an entire generation, can impact an entire family, can impact people and generations to come. Thanks again for listening to Life Church of Mobile's podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at lifechurchmobile.com.